too many Tic Tacs in the town. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 3.38 starting time. Please welcome from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Matthew Wiley. Play away, please. I bring the boom, I bring the thunder. Legion of doom in the dungeon of plunder. Oh, Gufflandia 190. 190. Mm. The Galando podcast. As the radio station in Toronto called me when they had me on, it's Matt Wiley from the Galando podcast. You could hear my ice right there. Those are clear cube square and a tall 20 ounce Amazon. Uh, custom cup clear I get more DMs not surprisingly about ice and ice culture I am not in not just an ice tout anymore I'm an ice expert so there you go um, I get more DMs about ice than anything else and you would you wouldn't believe the subculture of Ice fans out there. I was talking to a guy I've been talking to forever, and he finally just talked to me about his ice machines. He said, you could take my house. You cannot take my ice machines. It's crazy. Ice expert, no longer ice tout. I just got that to promotion. DK winner this week is Douglas. He is from the United Kingdom, London. Back-to-back winners from London. And guess what? He's in finance. And guess what? It's his third time ever playing DFS. There is something in the water over there. Thank you to Green Green Square Golf. Greensquare.golf. Course form, course history, all tours. You need it. 16 weeks previous. Course form. You need it to shape how you bet and wager and pick daily fantasy sports players. And I thought of a new tool for Mike and I that we're going to implement that I think is pretty cool. Very simple. Just form. Uh, Golf betting systems, by the way, they don't pay me to say this. No one pays me to say anything. Steve Bamford, I think for your resources for this week, golfbettingsystems.com extension something dot European country. But they have the best free content that is the most robust in terms of how they break down a course. It's very consistent week to week. This is a new course. I went there to learn what they had thoughts about it, what their thoughts about it were. It's um, this is a PGA Championship at the Ocean Course is a is going to be one of the more unique can't wait events of the year in that it's not your typical tree lined American style course, and if you if you the the first of all you love Pete Dye designs, 
Second of all, if you go and do look at the Golf Digest YouTube video, which Golf Digest does these clinical, theatrical, so well-produced course flyovers. It's almost like a Netflix movie. It's just really uh, engrossing. And they talked about the history of the course and how it wasn't really intended to be one. But, man, they made a beast. Uh, It's going to be an interesting set of skills you're going to need this week. I mean, listen, it's always the best golf for every week and then throw a dart. But there are some prerequisite things that you really can't, as one golfer said to me, you, you're having it 7,800 yards set up with the wind. And I know it won't play that way every day. You eliminate 90% of the field because that's long. The fairways are pretty wide open, so you can get some long hitters who are wayward. But iron game is dialed in. Iron game, mind game, dialed in. Every bunker, well, not bunker, waste area. The, the course is littered with waste areas. Every waste area I saw on this course seemed to have a ladder to get out. That seems problematic for the average golfer. So it's a can't wait, cannot wait, in the running for maybe the best of the year. Oh, by the way, speaking of running, I'm glad I said that word. A total non sequitur here. But I thought back, and I've always wanted to talk about this. I don't know if I have. But I thought back to when I first started working at a company. I won't name its name because I forget it. But there was a guy that we hired, and his name was Dean Running. Dean Running. I don't think he's listening to this, but whatever. He needs to hear this too. And he was a salesperson. And on his business cards, he called himself the game. Dean, in quotes, the game running. Not as a joke, not with irony. So he, we referred to him as the game. And for the life of me, forever, I've been trying to find him on LinkedIn or a business card. I had a business card and I lost it. I text with a guy who worked there 20 years ago just to talk about this moment at least once a year that we can't believe it happened. He used to say things, you better be fast and you better be quick. And I was like, what are you fucking talking about? The game. The game. Imagine being that bold. You'd call yourself that. I, I, I admire it, honestly. On my business cards, it says, it says this. Matt Wiley. Do it daily. Dominate life every day. Wait, that acronym is that acronym's diddle. Nathan. Do it daily, dominate life every day. Note to self, edit business cards. <coughs> um, now, now, a couple more things, then we get a long, se- long segment with Ryan and Josh. Circling the drain, who owns every belt, I think, in daily fantasy sports. A bad week for him. Losing to him now is not winning enough. That's how good it's going for him. Um, d- by the way, ding-dongs and razzle-dazzle is now everywhere 
it seems, in pop culture. CNBC, CNBC's calling people ding-dongs. Uh, NBA Live broadcast, razzle-dazzle. There's a Twitter account just started. He said, I started this Twitter account to alert you to how many people are using ding-dongs in my city. Multiple instances of content theft with this. So I'm going to start calling people coconuts and see if that, <laughs> see if that catches on. I saw also, speaking of CNBC, CNBC and ding-dongs, they talked about, because DraftKings stock is getting destroyed right now, or for the last few weeks, in, in relative DraftKings stock price terms. But they said that they focused too much on marketing. There was concern that there was too much spend on marketing. Well, of course there is. Of course they're spending $600 million on marketing. It's not going to be forever, but this is a land grab for client acquisition, for user acquisition. Do you think if someone starts playing DraftKings, they leave? No, they want it to be the first platform they use for daily fantasy sports. This is about user building the network user retention. It is a transaction platform. They have to have the most bees at the hive in order to succeed and crush their competition. Of course they're going to spend money. Acquire the users. That's why Facebook, you can't just invent another Facebook. The network, has been, the network effect has taken hold. You have them for life. That is a ding-dong who is concerned about marketing spend. DraftKings is a powerhouse. And the next iteration, I think, for them is to put more of the experience of live sports, of what the players of the game want into the product itself, which if you listen to a podcast, listen to Alec Baldwin and his interview with Howard Schultz of Starbucks and how he put the experience. He didn't didn't sell, he was selling caffeine delivery through coffee, of course, but he wanted to put the experience of a coffee house, of an Italian coffee house inside the brand. Now they have 22,000 stores. But I really believe that in the, in the path that we're going down with the a, a, a surge in content and daily fantasy sports, that I think DraftKings is really going to take a much larger, larger, larger stake in the experience side of things from multiple different ways. That's my gut feel. You still see big network content, the big networks who have had a great uh, monopoly as the sole source of content and a direct pipeline for content for so long that they thought everything they did was great. And it was protected because no one else could deliver content. At least high, they believe high production content is now their safe space. And no matter what they put out there, whether or not it relates to anything we're talking about or reflection of the conversations within this community, it's not. It's there. It's going to get a default amount of eyeballs, and it's a success. And I think that I, I think that is going to change. And I believe that the experience and the live content will come through different platforms that relate mostly to what we like to look at. I laugh more at anything I see on my Twitter feed. There are better writers in comedy on my Twitter feed than anything, almost anything I see on Netflix or, <laughs> or cable, for, cer- for s- certainly. 
I get you more useful info from my Twitter feed than anything I see on TV, certainly. At least in this space. Mostly from the coconuts. Good week this week. Can't wait. My, my, I'm sure I, I, I recorded the segment with Ryan and, and Josh yesterday. So I'm sure my narrative has changed. But there's some ownership. I'm going on Rotor Grinders here at 830 tonight. There's some ownership that really surprises me both ways. Everyone's in love with Spieth, Hovland, Answer. Big numbers on those guys. Berger. Find me a, a big hitter, good iron player, in form, perhaps has won this year or has done well recently. Perhaps some success in the wind, but has got it between the ears. I heard Tony Finau talking about it. And he looks real. His, his state of mind looks really good. He's got swagger now. Not that he didn't, but it seems like he's got a lot of it. And he was bold in saying that I think I am one of the people out here who knows he can win a major or something to that effect. 8,600 Tony Finau. Best golfer wins this week. And here's if if because if you do single entry or if you do a big entry and you have one and you're just debating all these players in terms of that one cash entry. I have devised a theory now that gets me to to say I am okay with this team and to not do any more movement prior to lock and see if you can follow me here. Because some of you ding-dongs on Twitter cannot follow me on this, on this uh, analogy. When you're at a stage with your, with your build that the players that you've wrestled with, not actually wrestled with, but wrestled with for, for, for the whole week, if you're okay, if it, is, if it would be worse that getting fucked by not having these players, meaning if they do really well, and you don't have them, feels way worse than you having them and them going eight over, that's your team. If, you're, if you have your team and say, listen, if they go eight over, I'm fine with that. I know that might happen, but at least I stuck to the guys I thought would win because if I don't have Spieth or DJ or, or Berger or whomever, if those are your guys and you say, I'm just going to change at the last minute and they do well, if that pain is more than you having them and them doing bad, that's your team. That's it. That is my litmus test. All right, let's talk to Douglas. Did I call him Robert before? Whatever. He said, I'm glad to be on the Galando podcast, so he gets that. Let's talk to Douglas, Ryan, and Josh, and then we out. All right, we're here with... With Douglas. Hello, Douglas. Hello, Matthew. So, Douglas is from London, and he's in finance, and he's he's only played DK a few times. We just went over this prior to the, prior to the recording. And again, again, 
A, it's someone from finance, someone in finance. B, set, we, back to back, it's someone from the UK. And their first time doing it. What's the yeah, secret? Yeah, it's, um, maybe it's better to be lucky than good. Um, but yeah, look, it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here on the Galando podcast. Um, reaching the many millions who follow. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the worst um, part of that they were, here's the here's this here's the thing when i was i was they asked me to do the radio at 590 before the masters even ended in toronto which i'm fine with and then they bumped me for a hockey trade and then he gives me 30 seconds and calls me galando well i hope if i can if i can kick it on another week and we keep doing this then um the rebranding yeah. will nearly be complete perfect so, so it's your first, really your first little bit of foray into into DraftKings, into fantasy golf. But you had success last week. What was your strategy for winning so, this elite contest? <laughs> I think broadly, just taking the the studs as you call them at the top of the market just seems to limit yourself too much with with what you can do with the rest of your team. Um, I mean, looking ahead to, to this week, and if you take one of the top guys, I think you get pretty limited on what you can play around with in the, you know, seven and a half to eight and a half, nine K range, which is, you know, I've done quite a bit of golf betting with bookmakers. Um, and that's normally the range where I think you get the most value. So transferring that over to, to DK seemed the logical way to, to proceed. So the course for a PGA Championship, you play in the you play golf in the morning, don't you? I do. In where do you play? Can you say? Uh, I'm playing at Woking, so South London, in in about seven hours' time. Very good. Well, you'll get six hours, thirty minutes of sleep. <laughs> well, actually, no. You got drive time. You got to wake up. So less than that. And so I've fuck it. Two, let's stay up all night. <laughs> I've got two young children, so it's not up to me when I get up. So I've probably got five right. hours sleep. So the course is extremely long. It's a Pete Dye monster. It's it's going to be windy. It you know it's plays like a links course. A ton of waste areas. Completely different from tree lined parklands America. So did that change being a golf better? At least did that change your outputs this week in terms of the type of golfer you're going to look at? It's very different for a PGA Championship. Yeah, I think it's hard this week, to be honest. Um, I mean, straight off the bat, I think, I think Victor Hovland is probably going to be my, my top pick. Um, he's got the form on that, on the grass. Look, I think his, his poor short game is probably slightly overplayed. It is improving. Um, I just don't think in the, in the prices, there's enough juice on the, on the guys right at the top. So. Hovland is um, is the one I'm going to be cursing this week. Um, but yeah, here's I'm, where I am with Ho- Hovland is going to be probably one two top owned. Do you think it'll be that true? Um, yes, twenty plus percent. Him and answer, and maybe Berger. Rory, if you look at the projections between uh, um, a Wismo, I don't know if I say that right, or Roto Grinders, are between get this seven and. 12-ish percent for Rory, which is sounded 
but he's expensive and he limits what you can do because people have to have Hovland, they have to have Burger, they have to have Zalatoris, and he limits. And there's not a lot in the sixes you can do. No, I can't play Zalatoris um, either. I, I get him wrong every time. Right. He's um, he's right. on the Fitzpatrick's step. With but me Rory, as well. but tw- if you go back to 2012, you know Rory won here by a massive number. Now it's different era, but you know he he did perform well at the Wells Fargo. And I just think that that ownership projection, if it comes true, I think it could, I think it's, I got to hammer that. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if he is sub 10% owned, then you sort of differentiate yourself from the others. If he does come in and win. Um, anything, anything low owned that you like? Well, I haven't oh, got low, the low, 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 off the radar. I mean, I, I can't really, I with no logic behind it whatsoever, but oh, Corey Connors will be in my lineup. I can't get away yes. from him. Um, You're a genius, Douglas. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've probably cursed him as well. But no, I like Connors' um, answer, but I think he might be quite high in the ship. Uh, yep. Tell me about Lee Westwood from your neck of the woods. It, was it a uh, two-week we, fluke that he did really well? Or or what's what's... Well, we love Lee over here. I mean, look, we've got plenty of English and British golfers who flatter to deceive. Um, he's a, I, I think he's tired. I mean, I wouldn't be having any money on him this week. Um, personally. Yeah, sorry. So I think the Three only English player. But DJ. Go ahead. Oh, you no, can't no, forget. The, finish, that, finish that answer. I want to hear the only English player. Oh, Hatton. If he can keep his. One of two guys. Hatton, if he can keep his head together, but if the course gets to him, he's, his mentality is too angry. Um, this is my view. I can't, I can't really have the others. Well, Hatton, Westwood, Wallace, and Casey. Casey is projected 18% plus, which I can't get my mind around. No, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't be having that. No, not at all. Um, not that DJ. not that twenty twenty twelve not that twenty twelve has any comp in twenty twenty one, but Rory was fifteen under, uh, fifteen under perhaps yes. Uh, Casey was plus eight, missed the cut. Not that it plays nine years later. I'm just saying. Finish your thought. You were going to say something cool. Before, no, I was going to say I just get rid of just just rule out DJ, but I just don't know whether you can. His form is is toilet, um, but he hits he hits the ball a long way, and he just needs to get it together. So I'm flirting with him, but he's is he, he, I'm not sure. You asked me about DJ, and I I love him to bits, something, but I don't think I can back him. Something is wrong with DJ. I just don't know what. He's not playing up to DJ standards, but if you want a guy, but didn't he hurt his back and then he was written off course and then came back and went like four times on the spin. He can turn it around quickly, but did, but did he hurt his back and did he hurt his knee or wrist? (laughs) I don't know, but he, his, his just performance at the masters was just not great. And, but he's going to be sub 10% owned likely on DraftKings, which is absurd. Absurd. The other guy who's absurd ownership and price because of a little bad form is Tony Finau, who never plays badly in majors. T4 Tony. 
Yeah. Um, yes. I can't. For 86? <laughs> I can't. Um, I can't put anyone off him in DraftKings. I wouldn't back him on on a bookmaker's on a book, but for DraftKings, he fits. No. You know, he's going to make the cut. Who's your winner? Hovland. Who's I'm sticking winner? with Hovland. Wow. Wow. Lots of first-time winners at USPGAs get over the line in their majors. I'd like Hovland. That's heart and head, to be fair. How about you? Or is this a secret for later? You can keep it it under your cap for later. Keep it under your cap. It's going to be Rory, because I'm such a huge Rory stan. And um, I, I just think the ownership has made me like him more. Plus, he's there's there this this course is littered with waste areas, which you're going to land in at some point, and he's an extremely underrated sand player. Um, and I just think that he has that pop in his step. Now, Rory's a guy. I've said it before. Rory's a guy I felt that has always needed a shot of adrenaline to play well. He needs something to play for. He needs to be challenged. He needs to have the crowds. And he said it. He loves the crowds coming back, and it's made him play better. I mean, you look at him at Ryder Cup. He needs the juice, man, to get going. And I just think that I think that's he's got a little bit back now. Yeah, I'll be having a nibble on him for first round leader because I think if he can get out of the blocks, well, he he cost me a lot of money at Royal Portrush because he he got off to a terrible. Oh, it was the worst ever! And then I doubled down as well when he drifted right out. But I'll, before we go, any big fades? Oh, big fades. Um, Let's have a quick look. I did have some thoughts. I mean, I can't be having Webb Simpson and Patrick Cantley. I can't get on board with in that nine to ten range. You know, we want to know who my fate is. Go on them, not Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland, <laughs> of course, <it> is. <laughs> hey, how old are your kids? Uh, three and sixteen months. My God, you're getting no sleep. That's all right. I was partly responsible for having them. Well, enjoy your golf round tomorrow because I know you probably don't get out much, but uh, I really appreciate you joining. And your audio, I'm going to say this, and I'm sorry to the other winners in previous podcasts, but Douglas from London has the greatest audio I've ever heard from any winner. At least I'm on record for the Galando podcast. <laughs> podcast, exactly. Well, at least I brought something to the table. And I can then. Um, Thank you, Doug. That's my pleasure. Thank you. Hello. All right. Now, now, this is attempt number three. You don't know this about this segment, but this is attempt number three of this segment. For podcast 190 Golflandia for the PGA Championship from. The ocean course, right? The first segment, Josh ruined. The second segment, I ruined because I'm ordering cookies and the delivery guy called during the podcast. And it wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. But we're getting them. So here we go. We've got Josh. Yes, Slop go. hello. Hey. Awesome. And I and I learned this in recording attempt number two that this was a, a wrestling song. I was not aware. Yes, 
it was Mr. Perfect who was perfect and he did everything right. Yeah. And that's and you. I, I see I see four I see four grease chested men carrying you on a throne yeah, around. That seems like a, I like that theme song now. I had not I didn't know what it was. The reason being is that you're really good at DFS. You win a lot. Everything. Did he win an MLB ticket tonight, Ryan? It was yesterday. And I thought that we were rooting for the same team, but apparently we weren't all throughout yesterday. Uh, that was so funny. <laughs> so, so slept one and I did. clarify what team you were rooting for. He had to clarify this was not the team that I had action on. <laughs> yeah, because he had a piece of a uh, the four four four, and then and then and he was cheering all these things. Which there was a lot of overlap, and then I had I said I don't know how to tell him this, but this is not the team that uh, he. <laughs> yes, I was cucked by Pat and Kazire. That so. was terrible. And who plays Pat and Kazire? Oh, okay. So straight up, the Texas swing is not the best. And the Byron Nelson is tough scene, right? I mean, they're not going to go back to Trinity Forest. Not a tough course, but a tough scene for sure. It's a scene. Toughest of scenes. And by the way, on long courses that are easy, play Patton Kazire. He can put a lot also of Also play down. Ventura in the future, too. That's the thing we need to get through in order to get people to sleep better at night. Because it kept me up on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. It's the Ventura thing. How much did you play? 20% maybe. And Which you is still a lot won? since he was like two. Right. That's a lot. Um, yeah. Well, I went back. You, you and Ryan gave me so much shit about that that I went back and listened to the pod. And, uh, you know, and I was pleasantly surprised that I did give out some, you know, really nice plays on top of Ventura, which was also a nice play. It just didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, you saw it. I, I didn't tell you this. Do you know that after Friday, he had the exact same amount of birdies and eagles as Jordan Spieth, and Jordan Spieth was in second, and Ventura missed the cut? Yeah, what he did the end of Thursday when I was texting you guys was insane. Yeah. Huh. What a bad bogey run. I had no... I had no observation of him. No, the birdie run on 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 Thursday when you started uh, giving slept shit about him being one over par, and then he he birdied five in a row yeah. and equaled the last hole. <laughs> oh yeah, I just tuned out at that point. Yeah. I didn't talk and then he and then he set the course record for bogeys the following day. So. And then I saw the million dollar screenshots, and then the slept goes. Oh, by the way, I'm in the fantasy golf world <laughs> championships now, and I wanted to drown myself. <laughs> yeah, it was a, that was. A, that was a Accurate. fun Sunday. It was a nice little hit. I just- and then slept not only that, just steps in our throat and gives us a lesson in manners uh, after that. We didn't even talk about the debate on the first round leader. Yes, yeah. that's part of it. That's part of the whole ethos. Anyway, for another for another podcast. You are so good right now that losing is not about losing money. Losing to you and getting upset is about how much you could have won on top of yeah. what you won. It's a good. It, it's, it's quite a, good a state spot of mind. To be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know they say it's oh, options yeah, season. Yeah. I mean, 
I got my, it was funny. I was going to text it to you, but I decided it was be too painful. I got my congratulations on your one year anniversary to Robin Hood today. Hey, $100,000 later. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> All right. So this week is, um, this ocean course is interesting. Ryan and, and Josh. But I know, Ryan, you probably looked at the course a little more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends. Slep seems like, <laughs> as usual, he did a lot of research. <laughs> no, he owned this logbox. Uh, no, the, it's, 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 Golf Digest does a really, really, really excellent course flyover for most courses and narration. And just, it's, it's almost theatrical. If you haven't seen it on YouTube, most people have. It's awesome. Um, the the course for a PGA Championship, it's unique in that well, for an American golf course, in that it's not a tree line parklands, um, classic American golf course. It is it's Pete Dye. It was it was not meant to be a golf course in originally. It just ended up being one by happenstance, and they made something out of it. Um, it's compl- it's it's essentially American links, right? I mean, it's Oceanside, mm-hmm. not a lot of trees, a ton of wind. It's relatively wide open on the fairways. Not a lot of, quote, bunkers, but a ton of peat dye waste areas that are very, very deep in parts off the fairway and then around the green. But the but off the tee, I mean, it's long, I don't know if it'll play to 7,800 yards every day. They've got, I think, four teeing areas, maybe six. Um, but it is, it's, it's pretty wide open off the fairways, but you're going to have to be pretty strategic on your approaches because on Pete Dye courses, you don't want to go long, especially here. I mean, you're in a lot of shit. There's a ton of waste areas behind the greens, around the greens, and they're deep. Think, think, um, desert classic. Uh, uh, huge deep bunkers, waste areas. Excuse me, because you can ground the club. But long par threes, which players typically don't like to play, uh, a, a gettable par fives. But the wind is going to be all over the place, and that's what's going to, I think, neutralize everything. The greens are very moundy. Um, the the fairways aren't even. It's just going to be really different and interesting. Um, it's going to take a pretty, pretty smart, you know, good state of mind golfer to make good decisions here. I mean, you saw in 2012 when Rory won by a hundred, you, you didn't really have a, have true bombers, you know, in the top 10. I mean, you had Stricker, you had Poulter, you had good iron players who were smart and, and, Pretty clever. I think you have to be pretty good around the greens. I mean, a lot of these greens, you're not going to have to attack. You can come up short, and par is going to be sufficient. So, I mean, a lot of these players come to mind, and a lot of players you can eliminate. Anything else you gleaned from this course, Ryan? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think you nailed it. Um, there's a lot that's going to depend on on the wind, and of course, I think that will dictate how they set it up. Um, I I definitely don't expect it to play near what it's marked as um but i think um 
the part threes are going to be huge with uh, what you said. The part fives are going to be interesting because uh, I do think they will have at least two of them that are reachable this week. Um, but because of how these green sits, I mean, you talked about the uh, runoffs, the peat die designs. It's hard to hit greens from 250 yards away on a peat die course, right? So, yeah. like, I feel like even and the guys you don't want to miss. Yeah, like I feel like even the guys who might be able to reach with a three iron or four iron or hybrid or something like they're not going to be able to hit the green and they're going to be scrambling from the same sort of spot. So um, I have to dive into it more, but I do think it's probably one of these weeks where I will not weigh distance uh, as much. I will not weigh par five scoring as much. Um, and if you look back at, and again, it was nine years ago, but at the leaderboard, I mean, heavy Euro, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably the type of player I would expect. Like, yes, if, if one of the top guys, Rory, DJ, Bryson, whoever plays well, of course they can win. But like, you look at that leaderboard, it was like David Lynn, Peter Hansen, Ian Poulter, a few other guys there, Jamie Donaldson, like not great players, but very accurate, very consistent ball strikers. So uh, probably going that direction this week. Josh? Yeah. (laughs) I think Ryan and and especially Matt, you really kind of nailed it there. Um. (laughs) Matt, ask Josh what course we're playing this week. I'm just waiting just to drop the bombs. But um, no, I mean, I don't. I don't really know how it's going to play, so I am going to be multiple sets of builds. I have seen all of the Twitter narratives about length, and then I've seen uh, you know the this other argument to be made where length doesn't matter as much. And being that it's a course, and obviously, do we want a win player or not a win player? We don't know what the win's going to be like. So I will... Since it's a course we don't see a lot, we don't have really great statistics on it, and since the win matters so much how it's going to play, I will be creating two sets of builds for different types of you know how it can um, how it could play out. Yes, precisely. I think it's going to take a a. a not that all players are on tour are not this way, but uh, probably just a pretty savvy, experienced. Um, I w- do you want to say open style player? Perhaps. I mean, it's. I think you could see that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a course where precision is going to be key with the irons. Um, from watching the twenty twelve. Uh, coverage again. I was watching it. I guess it was last night, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can put some pins in some really nasty places, and it looks and seems flat, like when you're there. But all the greens are kind of perched right up on something, and you have to get it in the right quadrant. And then, like you said, when you miss, um, there really aren't very many easy up and downs here. Pete Dye makes you pay for misses with your irons, particularly here. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a quick up and down in these waste areas. In a low-scoring event like this, you're really – you could put yourself out of it. And so you can't make – a. this week is about not making a lot of mistakes, period. Uh, it's it's going to be what? What do you think the final score is going to be? Minus nine? No, I think it'll be more than that. I mean, these guys are just so good. Like – 
it doesn't really matter how, how windy it is or anything like that. I think you're going to see a handful of guys get to 12, 13, 14 under par. A question I have on these waste areas, are, are you treating that as sand play when you're looking at stats or just kind of something else that you can't really analyze? Like, are we looking at sand saves? Yeah, I mean, looking sand. at sand saves or? Uh, I, I would, yeah. Not yeah, the, I yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you can. I don't really, yeah, like with fairway bunkers, I guess I don't really factor it in very much. But the difference being that you can ground the club. Yeah, um, but I'm telling you, it's just a different. It's just a different. Uh, it's a different strategy out of these. In that, if you look at the course um, on a flyover and the deep dive that Golf Digest did, it's not the same as your regular tour bunker. It's just you're just you're so behind the eight ball. If you have to, I mean, most of them have a ladder out of them, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just problematic from the from the get go. Yeah. I think the other thing, which again, we don't see very often. And I mean, I don't want to get into grass narratives. People can quantify them how they want, but you have the zoysia grass fairways, right? And I think that does a couple of things. One, it, it, it makes the fairways a little bit stickier, meaning like the balls that might normally roll out, uh, aren't going to roll out as much. So I think you're going to see guys hit a lot more fairways than usual, which maybe it helps the bombers. Maybe it helps the other guys. Uh, but also it's, it's very easy to spin irons and wedges off of these uh, uh, fairways. And so again, I think that just shows that you need to be very precise with irons and wedges, being able to control your spin, your trajectory and those sort of things. So I think all of that together is, is just going to lead me more towards the more accurate ball strikers this week. Right. All right. So we look at, we look at pricing now. Let's go to draft Kings. Josh, what is your strategy this week in terms of the type? Let's, let's just talk about, you know, if you were going to build a, a few lineups or a single lineup, what would, you, what would you do this week in terms of your build? Because there are five guys um, that or at least four that everyone's interested in. Uh, Spieth, Bryson, Thomas. McElroy, Rom is the fifth. DJ injury concerns, and he's not playing up to DJ standards. Albeit, you know, he could be the one sub ten percent, a huge surprise. Yeah. So, <clears throat> as as far as the top here, well, one looking at initial ownership projections, I mean, pretty much throughout the player pool, a lot of the chalk is congregating on guys that I don't really love. So that I'm, I'm. I'm pretty happy about that, and I'm not going to have to make these tough decisions to get off of chalk. Um, but at the top, mm-hmm. I mean, I, so the people who I really love, I, I love Rory, and that's not a hot take, but looking at initial ownership projections, I, I guess it is. Um, love Rory, and um, I, after that, I'm probably most interested in, in Spieth. Um, and why do you think Rory's ownership is that way? Because it makes it difficult to build to get the guys that people want in there, like a Hovland. Well, I, you know, I guess I don't know if it's just because it's difficult to, you know, after you use Rory, your average salary at that point is mid seven. So you're like you're down at like you, the next guy you put Rory in. The next guy you're looking at is Paul Casey or Jason Day. Those are the two guys at seventy seven hundred, which is your remaining average salary. Um, so. I haven't really 
focused on how much that if there's a, a lot of value down here, but it's probably just people aren't really comfortable getting um, a, a lineup with all the players they like if they start with Rory and they know if they just go down to someone like even I mean even Rom frees up a thousand that brings you know you if you start you start with mm-hmm. you start with Rom the first guy in your the second guy in your lineup is Berger I mean that that just feels like such a more comfortable start. Um, but something I, I'm trying to think about here, if we do expect st- scoring to be down, then it's going to put a lot more emphasis on place points um, where yes. it, we're not as worried about the guys who can just score well to overcome their place. And we really just need to try to get the top. Um, I haven't really considered how that's going to impact my build, but I could tell you, I don't know the one the guy who's getting the most ownership right now in the top is the guy I like the least, which is Rom. Um, I, I I have a feeling that Rom, and I've heard this from a couple of people that he's not in love with his clubs, with Callaway, and he hasn't been like DJ. He hasn't been Rom like, which is a high standard. I mean, he's obviously one of the best players in the world, but. Does he perform like he did last week, which wasn't fantastic, or the last really few weeks for Rom? And does he go in Wells Fargo cut? He was top five at the Masters. Byron Nelson, 34th. Does he go into the, into the ocean course and win? Or top five? Um, I think that Rory... I think that Rory, and I, I know his 2012 performance is staring us all in the face. And had he not won, what do you think his price would have been had he not won at the Wells Fargo? 10? 9-9? Probably less. less. Yeah, I mean, he's been 9, what? Yeah, like 9-9, nine, 9-8. Nine, nine, I mean, that's probably where he would have been. And I think that's the, I think it's a big reason why his ownership may be down. Right. However, however, if you want the best driver perhaps of all time, a guy who won here by a huge margin. He gets a huge monkey off his back by winning at Wells Fargo, getting a win at all. And just the calculus that he puts through every shot, and he's extremely smart. Um, and it's going to play like a Lynx course. I don't know. I mean, I just think that... And plus Rory, like I've always said, Rory just needs... Rory can't play without adrenaline or sort of or, or without purpose. He has to have that fire built for him, like the Ryder Cup. He plays on another level when he's got that energy going for him. Otherwise, he seems to get really bored and inattentive. And he said it last time he won at the Wells Fargo a couple of weeks ago that that was the catalyst for his change. And so I believe that's going to help him a lot. Now, have Rory, if Rory was 20%, I'd be out. But at a 7 to 12% projection, Ryan? Um, I agree with what you're saying. I think the projection's wrong. Uh, not that it's wrong now, but I think by the time we lock, you know, he's going to be 18, 20%. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I do have some concerns about Rory. I, I, I think, I mean, full disclosure, uh, bet him. Part of that was uh, it gives me the opportunity to potentially fade him and some of the single entry stuff. Um, I think there's always the worry about a guy coming off a win, especially, you know, a, 
a win like this where it's been a couple of years. Uh, there was a lot building up to that. Also, I mean, he was basically near the top in strokes game putting, right? At uh, Wells Fargo. I think he gained six and a half or seven strokes putting. Uh, mm-hmm. Really was pretty average off the tee. Irons were okay a couple of days, but I mean, pretty average off the tee and a really hot putter. Not exactly the formula that I would want from Rory going into a major. Um, so do I think he's going to like miss the cut? No, he will be in the top 20, probably in the top 10. Uh, but again, at that price, he's got to come top three and probably win if he's going to pay off the price. So, um, it sets up well for him. Obviously I, I, I just don't know if I'm going to end up there in, in my single entry builds in the nines, in the nines, Hovland, I can't, I can't not argue against Hovland and his price is excellent. His ownership is going to be egregious, and that's the only drawback to Victor Hovland. Um, you could, you could, pro- you could, if you really wanted to be uh, it, it would counter the chalk, you could talk about, you know, he's probably not the most elite around the greens in this field, but it's still Victor Hovland, and with wide open fairways and a clear path for his irons, you know, he's going to play. He's not going to miss the cut. The only thing I would say, I think Brooks Kepka, admittedly, you know, even him himself is saying this that he's not completely well healed yet. He's better, but it's still difficult for him to hit anything uh, except for seven iron up, which is going to be a problem here. And it, he wasn't spectacular last week. Clearly, missing the cut. The one thing I will say is that the surprising price for the Masters winner nine point four. And then sub seven percent owned Matsuyama on a course that will demand iron play, and he's one of the most elite iron around the greens in the world. It, it could be could be a kill shot. I mean, he could be he could kill you, or it could be amazing. I, I would, and plus he's around the you know the 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 hot glowing ember that is Victor Hovland. Matsuyama is a huge play for me. Josh. Uh, yeah, I agree on Brooks. I don't really have um, uh, much interest in Xander. The, the Matsuyama is interesting to me. Um, I am, have been digging in on Reed. Reed's not a guy I like to play. Um, but he kind of has that game that it doesn't matter how this plays. I think he, his game can, can match it. Um. Yes. I plus Reed. Reed can flight the ball down, and he can play a number of interesting shots in the wind. Yeah, I mean, if, if plus yes, if you could tell me, I'm gonna have, I can have a third of the ownership on Reed over Hovland for less money. I'll take Reed all the time. Um, I mean, That's my favorite fine. play is uh, I'm going to let Ryan talk to that because I know he likes him as well. But um, I don't know how much I like Chuck Hovland here. Um, I mean, it it wasn't completely sold on him. And then now he's going to be one of the highest owned. It's going to be a tough sell for me. Um, But I do like the idea because, as I said, I mean, yeah, I like Rory and I like Spieth, but I, I mean, I'm not really in on many of the studs as much as I usually am. That I certainly don't mind a build that starts with three guys in the nines, um, like the like a hyper yeah. hyper balanced build where you're basically kind of 
you know, pound this range and then you still pay for a terrible guy like, like a, like a Ventura or someone like that. Um, but <laughs> Ryan, tell I'm still waiting. I'm There's still, plenty of those in this field. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the mispronunciation name. Please don't let that bit go. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell, can talk tell about me. Um, I like that play. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so I guess let me start with Vic, you know, it's a perfect course for him. I, I echo exactly what um, both of you said. Here's the issue with fading him, right? Is he scores <laughs> so much. Um, so that's kind of my one fear. Now, um, I do agree that there are some, uh, some worries with him with the short game here. Um, so there's that. Brooks is going to be an interesting one also. Uh, I am not one who, who likes to hop on early after a guy is hurt. Um, but if you look at what he did last week, like he lost like four strokes putting, uh, he drove it pretty well. His short game was okay. Uh, and look, if he's going to be five, 6%, I mean, maybe just play 10% and double the field, right? Uh, it, it doesn't hurt you because he's not expensive and he's a good, a good pivot off Hovland and Xander here. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. My favorite GPP play, uh, in this range is going to be Morikawa. Um, I mean, everything we've said about trying to find a guy with pedigree, with uh, very precise iron play, obviously, you know, won the PJ last year. Uh, he ha- he hasn't played much, but I mean, you remember he played at, I guess it was Hilton Head. Uh, I think he was in the top 10 there. So it's not like he's he's out of form and it just feels like nobody's talking about him. Um, now, I could see him sneaking up and being, you know, 12, 15% owned potentially, but uh, we'll still be lower than Xander. Spieth and Hovland for sure. The eights. Here's the thing about the eights is that one of you assholes is going to mention Justin Rose, and one of those people <laughs> might be me. one of those people might be me. It's <laughs> gonna say it's the one week that I'm probably not going to mention him. But. Yeah, it's so strange because I want to stay away from him, and he becomes. I mean, he's just you've been digging into Pete Dye stuff, I guess, haven't you? I've just been digging into like smart. Smart English golfers who have good around the green game and who killed me at the Masters. Yeah. Um, but there, I mean, Zalatoris, Berger's going to be heavy chalk. Zalatoris probably close second. Cam Smith probably forgotten a little bit. Maybe shouldn't be. Scheffler out in the ether somewhere. Uh, Fitzpatrick low owned. Um, I'm going to talk about one person is that if you think about a guy, it, let's say it was two, three months ago, back when he was uh, second at the Genesis. Here we go. Uh, second at a WGC, second at Torrey Pines, fourth in something else, another top 10 of the Masters, and three bullshit miscuts. And now the guy that plays in every major, he seems to top 10, is going to be probably 10% or less owned and 8600 bucks in Milton Pua, Tony Finau, the big Tongan, is kind of insane at a course that has wide open because he's not really accurate off the tee, but this just screams Tony Finau to me. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, it could. Josh, if you agree with me, Josh, you can go first. Um, so – yeah, so I don't think you have to do a lot of analysis on this. You say this. You say cheap 
low owned Tony Finau, done. I take it. Like I don't like I don't have to like done. you don't have to Thank look. You. I mean you don't have to look at stats. I don't care. It's usually he's he's a thousand dollars more and double the ownership. So there we go. I'll take it. That's what I said to Mike and for Green Square, I said, and this is probably out there now, so I'm not reinventing anything. But I'd like to chart ownership of oh, sorry, DK price for players over the last twenty four months rolling and to see what discounts are. Like Tony Fina would be a thousand dollars below average what he typically is. Done. Take it. Yeah. Plus ownership in. Thank you. And and he's not we winning. Just, we just peeked behind he's the fourth wall the with Josh, f- Ryan. What? No, we don't care. But he can top five. I will. That's all he does. Scott Scheffler. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that's going to be a tough one after last week. I feel like people are talking about him. I agree. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it. Right? And if 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 he's going to be 15, 20% owned, I, I definitely have, have zero interest in Scheffler. Like, I mean, yeah, if you're doing him versus Finau, and Finau is is you know five to eight percent lower than you know it's a very easy decision. Scheffler drives Scheffler. me insane. Yeah, Scheffler cost me so much yeah. money last weekend. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, Scheffler was my highest own last week. Um, yeah, see, my issue here is is I think uh, like Josh said, I think the way that ownership is congregating this week, most of the guys that I want to play are not high owned, but in this range it is. Uh, I have Berger far and away the best play in this range. Uh, and he's followed by Zalatoris. So you spent three years eating yeah, Daniel Berger. He's, he's good, he's, man. No, he's, he's right. Like I, I he, uh, I said in the early segment that I don't like a lot of the chalk. He's the chalk, one of the chalk that I do really like. Yeah, I mean, I had him bet. You he's like top twenty week. off the chalk scenes off the tee this year. Is that good? Yeah, and look, he scores, right? He makes a lot of birdies. He's got a solid short game. He's contended on, on a lot of different courses, too. Like, you've seen him contend at, like, Harbortown uh, and obviously some, some Pitae elements there. Um, I think this course, right, is going to suit him pretty well in terms of, like, the type of course that he grew up on, windy, uh, coastal, that sort of thing, and hard. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think I'm going to be, you know, at least 2x the field on Burger, which means I'll be 40. 40 to 50% Daniel Berger this week. So, um, yeah, it's going to be him and Zalatoris for me and probably won't get much of anybody else in this range. That's psychotic. You mean you had like anti-Daniel Berger websites going for a long time. There's a guy here that I'm considering who I think is – I'd never play, but he might be the lowest guy in the the eights. Fleetwood. I'm going to play Fleetwood. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. He's just been so bad. Like the ball striking is gone. He's bad. Yeah, and like he's not the guy who's going to make every eight footer either. So like I just don't see the upside with Fleetwood. And, yeah. But good ownership. And now in the seven, here's the here's the magic land right now. Sevens, and I'm gonna you're gonna talk about all the players that everyone else is talking about. Answer Neiman, uh, Connors. I will tell. I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm just going to ask you one question. They're going to have a comment. Name me. Name me the only player on tour this year that's top twenty strokes gains off the tee and top ten in strokes gained putting. And he's in the sevens. Neiman. Josh. 
Top 20 stroke gains off the tee. Top 10 stroke gain. Players. Burns? Kokrak. He's in the field? Dude, Kokrak is an that? absolute smash this week. Smash? Yeah. Absolute smash. It's been it's- strange, actually, because – and so it's funny. You mentioned the putting. Him, Neiman, Connors have all dramatically improved their putting this year. Like, they're all yep. strokes gain positive. Yeah. Um, yeah, like by a lot. So Kokrak may be the best priced in the field. Uh next to one other guy that I really like. And you can talk about the Wallaces, the Westwoods. I'll let you do that. The I love Gary Woodland, by the way. Yeah, well, so let's talk about the chalk, right? Because I think there's three guys, right? There's there's answer, there's Fine, Keegan. I won't mention the name. I will not yeah. mention the name then. Right. So we answer Keegan Wallace, right? I think it's it's kind of those three are probably going to garner the most ownership in the seventh. I would think maybe Keegan Chalk is, 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 is not you're missing Casey. Uh, the guy is just playing so well. You know? I'm not going to do it. You're, you, Ryan, you missed a very significant amount of chalk there. I mean, Burns, Burns and, I know. Burns I forgot Casey. Burns. Yeah, there's so many. I don't understand Casey Chalk. I understand Burns well, he, Chalk. He, he, I mean, Casey just underpriced. Like every major, they price him at seventy seven hundred. Wait, look. Like, why can't he be eighty three or eighty four, and then he'll be? Let me just same. Listen, this is the range where I think you can play a lot of these guys, but you just need to be careful with your builds because a lot of builds are going to look like what I can just plug in right here. They're going to go. They're going to go. Answer Neiman, Casey Wallace. Wallace. And then they're going to add in Burns, yep. and then they're going to yep. go, oh, yep. Rory, boom. I can get Hovland and, and Rory, yeah. yeah. Yes, because yeah. you get Rory. <laughs> so, yeah. You have four guys in the seven. No, but, I mean, but even if it's not that, you're going to drop one of them. You're going to go down to Spieth, and then you're going to have a guy like, uh, you know, Patrick Reed. It's like, I just, I'm not saying that I won't have these guys. I'll probably have all of them because they're just, they, you know, you they're fine plays, but I'm going to be very careful with how I build my rosters that I don't have rosters probably more than two of these chalky guys. This is the honey hole if you want to play Rory or Spieth. Yeah. Well, or, or unless, because – Unless, which Ryan won't let me tell the player because continue on because I'm just – I don't want to actually tell the player, so Ryan, please keep talking. Yeah, no, it's fine. So, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, right, because I think there are a lot of these guys who are just – an extremely good value, whether it's Burns or Wallace or Keegan, like I want to play them. So I think that's when you get unique with the build in terms of instead of grabbing Speeth and Hovland, right? You grab Reed and Morikawa or something like that. And you're getting these guys that are much lower owned at the top, right. maybe leave a couple hundred bucks on the table. Like I'm fine with that sort of build. Sure. Yeah, you didn't mention the player. Well, at all, well, so. May I have an opportunity? Yeah, the, here, are the, here are the names I like. I'm not going to say Bubba, but I just I just said nope. it. Um, Sergio oh, I'm playing Bubba. Westwood, Siwoo Kim. Oh, so, first of all, go. I got sold on Sergio, but I was watching him, and he was intentionally trying to miss that cut. So I made a little note to myself that, like, you have to throw out a missed cut last week because it was intentional. I mean, all of us have him on a blacklist or two. Yes, Always. There, you know the point of having a blacklist is to break. Yes, to, to never play him. Oh, 
You just named three Venturas. Westwood was your guy last week, and I don't understand. He does well, better than anyone ever ex- expected. People were DMing me how bad that play was by you. And then he does better than that. And so I don't understand why I wouldn't go back. And then, but so, but see what was the play. See what was the play. You talk about the people who DM you all the time about your plays. People were DMing you about my Westwood call. They were bad, man. I had to kind of sense. I mean, it was probably me. Um, I mean, you guys missed the biggest play in the sevens. I'm well, not going to mention it because I need to be in the four, 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 four. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's. It's staring you right my, in the my, face. My wife just came in and said I she wants some of those cookies. Um, so the. Yeah, no, I mean, the whole range sucks. I mean, you're probably talking about Woodland, but I'm done with him anyways. Um, so. I mean, there's Brian Harmon who rates that well. Here's a question for you guys. Because I don't think this guy fits the golf course very well. Uh, Max Homa, he's got bones on the bag this week. Any, uh, any interest Homa. in Homa? Really? Was not my pick, but that was – I love Max Homa. Um, so I really like that play too. And I, I just need to clarify something, and then I will stop talking for a little bit. I realized that I inserted a complete non-sequitur into your pod, Matt, when I said something about my wife and your cookies, but that's because she came in here telling me I was yelling because I was all worked up about Westwood and I didn't really know what to say. So I was trying to make a joke about your cookies that were being delivered. Having said that, we're going to move past that and just say, well, I see what came as the play. He's really great at, um, he's really great at very tough Pete Dye courses, known Pete Dye specialist. He is very cheap. He can win. He does well in majors. And the most important thing is he's going to fit the whole narrative of Asian domination with Hideki Matsuyama, Cage Lee, now Siwoo Kim. That's the play. I mean, he's going to be like 12% owned, though. I mean, he is going to be highly yeah. owned. People like that. And people play up the Pete Dye stuff. That's my concern with him. It's like he's not going to be like your. Two percent differentiator. So I will. If he's going to be highly owned, I will. Harris English. That's however. a great play. <laughs> yes. Get the get out of here, Ricky not, Fowler. Not, Ricky Fowler. However, I'm not uh, spending. I'm not spending any time on Harris English in this. I just won't with you two. I just so let's do it. Yeah. Play. No. So yeah. So let's move because to you Fowler. Have one good week. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So let's move to Fowler for a second. Right. He was mid sevens at like. 14% owned. We all hammered him. He missed the cut. He goes down by like a hundred bucks. He's like 8% owned. We all hammered him. <laughs> he missed the cut. Now he's a flat seven, 2% yep. owned. How are we not playing Ricky Fowler? Someone asked who would be the first in the sixes. And Ricky Fowler was one of the names and he's almost there. He's almost there. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely I'm, I'm gonna, playing. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I know every player in the field. I if you told me that Ricky Fowler was playing this week, I would say no, he's not. I didn't even know he was playing. He's seven k. It's about his last year because once he's at, you know, he's gonna be out of the top hundred. So, um, yeah, I mean, you ha- look, you have to play Ricky Fowler. I don't care. Uh, By the way, none of you mentioned the player. I was thinking we, of the seven. So we mentioned we every play. single Good, player. You did no, not. I've cut out a lot of them. Um. All right. In the sixes, there's not a lot there. No. I mean, here here's what I I think that Ryan Palmer is a pretty good price. Um, I think for experience, length, 
and how he's performed over the last you know year. I think Ryan Palmer at sub seven is and, and his ownership likely is going to be pretty good. Uh, Thomas Peters, even though he disappointed last week, it's still Thomas Peters, and he does everything well. Charles Schwartzel is going to be chalk, probably fifteen percent. Should he be? Yeah, he's been great. I mean, we all played him last week for what eighty-one or whatever he was. It was probably yeah. Now he's sixty-eight. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I'll say one thing about Peters real quick. I I do like him. I mean, he disappointed, but he shot five under last week. If it's just cut with six under. So, like, I don't want to hold that against him. He played all right. Yep. As did Ricky Fowler. Um, so yeah, you I mean, asked Munoz? Look, I think there's a lot down here, right? And I think, I mean, in any major, like, you get pedigree players in the mid-sixes. And I think the first one that stands out, who we have to play here, um, because we played him at Quail Hollow, and even though he didn't finish well, I, I mean, Mickelson opened with a 64 there, Right. He's now in the mid-sixes again um, at a major, right? He definitely, you know, he cares a lot more these weeks, and he's actually trying. But, like, how do you not play Mickelson for 6,700? And how do you not play a lot of him? I, I hear what you're saying, man, but I just think – I mean, and I, you know, you know I'm, I love to throw good money after bad, but I think he's dead. He's going to be 1% owned, so play 5% of him. You're 5x the field. Like, come on. <sighs> But I do think there's a lot down here, uh, it's, especially with the Euro flavor. You know, I'm going to play Peters. I'm going to play Charles. Probably going to play Bezgoat. Probably going to play Norin, who played well last week. Like, I think there's never, a lot down here. Never. Probably going to play Rosner. You know, these guys are I fine. Play, yeah. <laughs> I will play Oresti before I play Norin. I like. I mean, Norin was okay last week. Yeah, he was all right. I like Duff Daddy. Again. Again what? All right, who um, wins? Who wins? Who's your winner? Who wins? Josh. You know what? Yeah, go ahead, Josh. You can take this one first. Sorry. Who wins? Um, well, preemptive. I guess we're going to go with Jordan Spieth. Okay. Career Grand Slam. Um Yeah, you know what? I think I think I'm going to do it and I'm going to say Daniel Berger wins this week. Well played. That's unbelievable from you. I'm just going to say. Just makes too much sense. I would go Rory. I can get behind Spieth. It won't be Daniel Berger. It will be a player in the sevens who you didn't mention. That's it. I'm starting to think this player doesn't exist. Probably not. Thanks, guys. See ya. Good luck this week. Bye, Josh.
Cause I break 